Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. You can text us at 630-630 on our Heartland Ford text line. It's 1234 at Edmonton. Brad says, Bob, why didn't the Edmonton Oilers try to sign Luke Philp? Um, I think the Oilers were limited in contract space. Remember, you have a uh, 50-man list. And so uh, Calgary did. Give Calgary credit. you got to look to find players wherever you can. You can text us at 630-630. Ash says, good old Bob, blaming it all on Peter Shirelli again. Let's forget about everybody else. Are you referring to me here, Ash? Is that what you're saying? Uh, What I would say is that Peter had a very closed and exclusive uh, group. That's my interpretation being around him. And Peter was given, to my knowledge, autonomy. Um, and And Brian Burke who will be joining us at 1 o'clock, courtesy of Canadian Power Pack, said the same thing two weeks ago. Greg says, the Flames organization must be laughing at Edmonton right now. What a mess that one comes to us from Greg. Well, I will say this. Calgary's in a good spot. Um, They geared up. They dramatically improved their personnel. And, uh, I mean, they've even had a contract not work out for them. At least to this date, it hasn't worked out. I wouldn't bet against this player not pulling it together. James Neal's had a tough start to his career in Calgary, but he's a good player. I mean, the Flames added a fourth-line support player like Derek Ryan, who's moved up and down their lineup as well. And they traded Dougie Hamilton, and all the analytics guys believe Calgary lost that trade. In the first year of that deal, it looks like Calgary won that trade. 12.36 Edmonton. This is Oilers Now. Keep texting us at 6.30, 6.30. We'll tell you that guests on the show receive gift certificates too. Roos Chris Steakhouse. Roos Chris, it's the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow the sizzle to 99.90 Jasper Avenue. Tell Maggie and the staff Oilers Now sent you. Now, I want to tell you, because we're honest and we're up front on the show, that Louis DeBrusque is about to go on the ice for the alumni skate here at Rogers Place. But that didn't stop us from getting you 13 minutes of absolutely riveting radio with Louis DeBrusque. Louis, the Edmonton Oilers back at it and uh, trying to pick up the pieces. A tough road trip. Uh, you know, they play the game in Arizona that you broadcast. And that, that wasn't one game. That was one and a half. I mean, that was a hard game. Arizona makes you pay for every inch of the ice. And then Edmonton went up against Vegas, who right now, I mean, they're right there, the top teams in the Western Conference, and they're deep up front. And then St. Louis did it a little bit differently. I mean, geez, they had uh, David Perron and Jaden Schwartz in their third line, but they had Bo Meester and Pareko locked in on McDavid and Dreisaitl all game. So Oilers back at it against Columbus. Where do you want to start here? Well, you know, I think they played the two teams in the Western Conference that nobody wants to face in the first round of the playoffs. And I and I truly believe that. I think the Vegas Golden Knights are better than they were last year. They're starting to find their stride at the exact right time they want. And they overwhelm you with speed and depth. And then the St. Louis Blues, the same thing. They found their game. Craig Berube's done a great job there and just rekindling that fire in a lot of guys. And you know, it says a lot about how they're playing. They're, they're getting the goaltending, they're playing physical, and again, they're another deep team that rolls four lines and continues to push you back. And as you mentioned, Pareko, 
and Bomeis are two guys who can skate. Their defense was always their strength. It was a little off at the start of the year, but they're starting to figure that out now. And it kind of goes hand in hand. When your goaltender's making the saves, you're more confident to be aggressive defensively, and that's exactly what St. Louis is right now. And the Edmonton Oilers just weren't deep enough to match two very good teams. Simple as that. They just weren't deep enough. All right. I think we know that right now, and I also wonder a bit about fatigue. Workload for Miko yeah. Koskinen. You know, he's never played this yeah. many games before. He's a little deep in his crease. He hunches his shoulders a bit. He's getting beat high up on the glove, and he's made a lot of saves early in games. I look at Nugent Hopkins. You know, he doesn't have an assist in uh, roughly 15 games. He's got five goals during that stretch, but I'm wondering if those 20 minutes of game have caught up to him. I think they have, you know, and I think, you know, we talk about physical fatigue all the time, but especially for Koskinen, I think it's mental fatigue. You, you watch him on a, on, a, on a game day, he's so mentally focused throughout the day to get ready for that game and be prepared. It's, it's, it's incredible how much they concentrate and put time into being ready mentally, and if something happens early in the game, or a bad goal goes in, it's really hard, especially when you're fatigued, to try and turn that off and get right back to the next one. So this is a learning curve for him. I think he's played great for the team. This is a team that has six wins in the last ten. So, I mean, they're, I mean they have a better record than Columbus Blue Jackets coming in right now who have a spot and are fighting for their lives, too. Uh, you know, so I look at and say a couple of games against very good teams, they got exposed. No question about that. And Koskinen wasn't at his best, and he has to be, unfortunately for this team, he has to be at his very best to give them ever, any opportunity. That's a ton of pressure to put on one guy, but that's the reality of what this team is right now. So that's it. And as far as Ryan Nugent Hopkins, I do agree with you also on the fact that he's played at a level and a pace, especially playing with number 97. We don't talk about, about that a lot, but he elevates your speed in a game. So when you play with him for an extended period of time, which Nugent Hopkins has this year, he's playing at a level that even for him is, is a push, but I do believe in the long run it's going to help him because he's now realized that he can push a little bit harder, he can play a little bit faster, and he's starting to find that offensive touch. But he is in a little bit of a slump right now. Five goals in the stretch. He's, he hasn't really had the offensive opportunities that you typically see him have, but he'll get that those legs back probably, hopefully for them in, in the next little bit and, and start to produce a little bit more, but I do believe fatigue is a factor in that as well. From NHL Hockey and Rogers, our regular Thursday contributor Louis DeBras, Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers now. Louis, there was a, a moment in the game against St. Louis. Patrick Maroon had landed a couple hits on Chris Russell and uh, subsequent to that, Zach Cassian got into it with Ryan O'Reilly, gave him a shot. Riley chopped him back. Cassian chopped him right across the wrist back. Ref didn't call it. Then Cassian cross-checked him. Then next shift on the ice. I'd figured Maroon had actually gone after Cassian, but no one said it was Cassian going right at Maroon because of what had happened previously between Maroon and Chris Russell. Russell getting finished with two pretty heavy checks from Patrick Maroon. Those two had a awesome fight. I mean, it was a real good scrap. Fair scrap. Hey, totally respect Maroon. 4 nothing lead, taking the fight. But then we find out that Zach Cassian was at dinner the night before at Patrick Maroon's place. <laughs> if that doesn't make you... If that's not just the most awesome hockey story of all time, I don't know what it is. But isn't that hockey? <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? But you know what? Here's the thing. I always say it's it's really difficult, too. That's one of the one aspect of the game that I hated. I didn't like... I didn't like fighting guys that I knew. I hated it. I absolutely despised it. But sometimes the heat of the battle, you, I mean, think about yourself as a kid growing up, your best friends, the tempers flare, whatever it is. If it's in the backyard, the playground, in a, in a, a sporting event, it doesn't matter. When the competitive juices get flown and you get emotional, things happen. And in this game, it's no different. And I really believe right now.
now. I mean, so much at stake for so many teams, especially in the Western Conference, absolutely fighting tooth and nail for every inch you can gain in this conference, that the games have just magnified. I mean, you know, and every single shift seems to be a playoff atmosphere type of shift. Every single mistake is magnified. Every huge goal is that much bigger. And you know what? Two guys that just know their job. I, I don't mind that at all. You know what? They can give each other a tap afterwards. I'm sure they were smiling in the box afterwards, looking at each other, saying, wow, you know what? We finally had to do that. Uh, good on both of them. I think Zach Cash has really stepped up in that role. I think he's been a great player for them the last month and a half. I think he's found his confidence in this league, and I think that's a really important thing. But he's still not getting away from the things that he has to do to make him successful as a player. And that's the physical nasty edge, drop the gloves every once in a while, and be a complete agitator to the opposition. Patrick Maroon's a guy that we all respected here with the way he played. Fan favorite here because of that. Um... You know, blue-collar guy, just go out there and work hard. And you know what? I I expect that from him. So both guys trying to ignite their team and in response to what was happening. But I'm seeing that a lot around the league right now. It's impressive to me to see the battle level, how intense it is already. And I can't even imagine what it's going to be in the last week, week and a half when, you know, fates are being decided with a point or two here or there and then into the playoffs. It's going to be crazy. All right. So shed some insight on this. You said you never liked fighting guys you knew were your friends. Who did you get to know the best that you ended up having a fight? Oh, you know what? I remember one time... So Greg Spenrath, who's from out west here, and and you know what? He's a big guy, and we were roommates in, in... New York and training camp and you know you spend every single minute every day together and then we go out on the ice and we'd have our separate groups and then we finally played each other in an inter-squad game that was back when training camp was a month long so Roger Nilsson was the coach and I mean he was working us to the bone he was he was really hard in the skates and conditioning so we had a scrimmage and he absolutely blew me up and one of the hardest hits I've ever taken in the game ever like I mean he hit me from like the face-off dot and I crumpled in the corner that's how far in the air I flew he was a big dude spend around he's a big guy and I jumped up and he took a look at me and I looked at him and I was like we gotta go you know I can't like just take a beating like yeah. that in front of everybody and no, was it so we had a pretty good goal yeah. but I felt terrible after you know it's uh so where was this it, it this was in big this well this was in uh New York's training camp and it was in Adirondack actually we used to have the training camp up in Adirondack in the mountains we used to run the mountains bike the mountains and you know, I wouldn't say run for me. I'd say more like a, a slow jog in the mountains. But uh, Roger was really big on conditioning and wanted guys to be in good shape. And there was always a lot of guys in camp. There was a ton of exhibition games. And, yeah, I remember that. So I, I remember we had a discussion afterwards. And um, I don't know. It just it just didn't feel right. I always felt there was enough guys that I didn't like in the league not to fight my friends. I know Scotty Thornton and I almost got into it one night when he was with the Montreal Canadiens. I ended up fighting Craig Rive. He thumbed me in the eye in a scrum, and I went after him. And Craig Craig wasn't a super heavyweight to right. me by any means, and I gave it to him pretty good. And I remember Thority coming out and saying, man, like that looked really bad on me. And then his buddy, Turner Stevenson, who was on the draw with him, came right over and grabbed me. Yeah. Like, and so the Thority wouldn't have to fight me. Yeah. And I ended up fighting Turner Stevenson. So that kind of stuff goes on a lot, you know, and that's, you know, but every once in a while, it'll get to a point where there's nowhere you can go. You have, you have to drop the gloves and go and, hey, 
it happens. All right, uh, Greg Spanrath grew up with my wife Kathy, uh, yeah. also with Brad Miller. Another Her sister used to cut my hair in Edmonton yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I will tell you that uh, Turner Stevenson. I said to him one time when he was with the Canadians, long way from Prince George A. Turner. He goes, actually, this is the closest place to Prince George in the entire NHL. So because he was one of the few guys to come out of Prince George. Uh, Brandon Manning was from there as well. We're joined by Louis DeBrusque from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Bob Stoffer with you at Oilers now. The Oilers in the Columbus Blue Jackets. Last time, now, so last year, Edmonton smoked Columbus 7-2. Then the Blue Jackets came in here. Edmonton built up a 3-1 lead, and Columbus scored the next six goals. This year, the Oilers go into Columbus, shut them, maybe their best game all year, Louie. 4-0 victory. A little nervous about tonight? I am a little nervous for Edmonton about tonight because I've seen Columbus play a few times this, in the last week and a half, and they're starting to figure it out, in my opinion. They're, they're right, right on that point of either they're going to go in a positive direction or a negative direction. They've got too many good players in the lineup. They're too deep of a team. They have every single tool they need to have, but some of the numbers aren't adding up for me. They're really struggling with the man advantage, which is bizarre to me with the firepower they have. Their penalty killing is great, but the one thing they do do now in the last week and a half that I've seen is they're playing a four-line tenacious system. We just talked about St. Louis. We just talked about Vegas being deep and aggressive. This Columbus Blue Jackets team is aggressive and they're very physical. So I expect a battle tonight. They're playing for their lives and they're going to play that way. So Edmonton's going to have to make sure they're coming out of the gates early and matching that. I do believe, obviously, there's players on the Oilers that really give the Columbus Blue Jackets a lot of trouble. A young defense core back there, Connor McDavid, is a handful for them. And he's going to have to be a handful again tonight. All right. We always like to do at least one uh, one old school story. Uh, people make a big deal about character all the time. Uh, now, you played for Glenn Sather, and Glenn Sather was renowned for wanting guys to push back a bit on him uh, when he had team meetings, or individual meetings, individual meetings, and uh, you know, so you know, he wanted to see a little fire and character in the belly. And the story I heard through a fairly reputable source was that Vladimir Wojtek was with the team and Glenn had walked all over him and then Glenn subsequently went to uh, to one of the other leaders in the team and said, what's with Wojtek? Like, he he can't just let me walk all over him. He's got to push back and show some tenacity and some bite. So you guys, Glenn had replaced Ted Green. Ted had been fired as uh, the head coach that year. This is 93-94 and Vladimir uh, Wojtek uh, was on the team. You guys were down in Calgary. You got smoked. And what did Glenn used to do when you got pounded in Calgary? He went at everybody, right? And he went around? Did he, he went around? It was the dreaded march around the dressing room, and you could hear a pin drop in there. And it's amazing, you know, he really did have that that reputation. And when he came in the room, you know, we all just sat there and, you know, Kelly Buckberger early in my career said, listen, when Slatsy comes in, he's venting and he's going on the boys, number one, don't look at the floor. Eye contact the whole time because he'll chew you a new one if you're looking away from or not paying attention. Or he didn't want guys feeling down. He didn't want guys like, you know, in a position where they had their head down and they he wanted you to battle. He wanted you to get up, eyes up, be eager to get better. And uh, <laughs> I guess Vladdy got some advice to go after him a little bit and he picked the wrong time to uh, come back at Slatsy. I'll tell you, um, 
and it didn't turn out too well for Vladi. Vladimir Vertek was my roommate too on the road, so we had lots of discussions. He was a really skilled, talented young player, you know, coming over from from Czech and like you know, just learning the ways here in North America. And but uh, yeah, that didn't go over he too well. Back at he Slats. went back at Slats. He and uh, his equipment soon got sent to Cape Breton. I don't know if I ever saw him again. <laughs> But you know what? I saw him in the draft because he's now an agent and uh, works with a lot of players in the league. But, uh, yeah, he was a good guy. But just the wrong time in a situation like that after a real tough loss, just kind of let let him vent and uh, pick your spots when to, when to get your back up to your GM and coach. Oh, man, that is funny, funny stuff. Uh, love it. This is Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer with you, 1249 in Edmonton. And we will take a step out. We're live at Rogers Place on a game night when the Edmonton Oilers play. The Columbus Blue Jackets. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. It's 1253 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer with you. You can text us at 630-630 on the Heartland Ford text line. And we're having a particularly difficult day for some of you out there. I can see that. Uh, Rob has texted the show to say, Hey, Bob, why don't the Oilers send Lucic down already? Can't trade him, but they could bring up somebody to easily fill that spot. Some of some speed would be way more beneficial from Rob. Rob Milan Lucic has a no movement clause, so that is uh, not an option. That's not happening. Again, you can text us at 6:30-6:30. Ziggy Palfi out of Kelowna has texted the show to say, Bob, why doesn't Keith Gretzky pursue Linus Omark for a comeback? He's averaging a point per game in the KHL. He's got more skill than half the current team, and wouldn't cost as much to get. Um, that wouldn't be, I, I got to tell you, Ziggy Palfi, and I know you do things often tongue-in-cheek, but I would say that he would probably be, uh, there's a lot of other players a little bit higher end uh, to consider bringing back than, than Linus Omark. Like, he might be in the bottom third of the percentages of former winners that I would bring back. Yes, Bob, Cassie and Maroon went for dinner, but Maroon ate way more knuckle sandwiches from Brian. And again, you can text us at 630-630. Tweet us at Oilers Now. Email us Oilers Now at 630Ched.com. Lots of coming in. Keep texting us. We'll work our way through it. This text comes in saying, hey, Bob, I know Berkey said never, but ask him how much money or what terms it would take to be GM and president of hockey operations for the Oilers for just one year next year. Come on, Berkey. Well, we'll ask Brian Burke that question coming up a little bit later on today's show. He's already said he's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. This fall, you can join the president of New West Travel. Dennis Laliberti on an exclusive visit to Italy and Greece on a spectacular 16-day holiday. It starts with a nine-day tour of Italy. You visit the beautiful cities of Rome, Florence, and Venice with daily guided tours, then board NCL Cruise Lines for a spectacular seven-night Greek island cruise, including meals, nightly entertainment, a private sunset dinner in gorgeous Santorini, plus parking at the Value Park at the Edmonton International Airport. They're 50% sold out right now. Call New West Travel or go online at newwesttravel.com. Again, you can text us at any time. By the way, when you text our show, um, when you uh, text the show, it gives us a footprint dating back to your prior texts for like five years. Okay? Just keep that in mind. 
This text comes in saying, hey, Bob, can you play Enrique Iglesias? No, I can't. I can't see that being a guy that's going to get played on this show. Mitch in the greater. Bob, you have to stop praising Keith Kretzky. Well, we haven't talked about Keith Kretzky in the entire question. Honest question, ask yourself if this, if there was another GM opening around the league, would Keith Gretzky even be in consideration for another team? Not a chance, says Mitch in the greater. If Keith is the next GM, I'm done as an Oiler fan after 30 years and done with season tickets. This incompetence can't continue, even though I'm sure it's going to. Uh, he says, says Mitch in the greater, that I have zero faith in Bob Nicholson getting this higher right. Worst run organization in professional sports ever since Cates took over the team from Mitch and the Greater. Well, thank you for your thoughts, Mitch. You can text us again at 630-630. Tweet us at Oilers now. Uh, we've got an email that has come in. And again, you can email us at any time. Actually, you can't email us anymore. We don't read out the emails, do we? I just saw it. Where did it go? There it is. That's It just popped up right now. From our friend Val. Bob! Burke reiterated his position on another GM last night on duck calls with Josh Brewster. No, still happy doing what he's doing. So are us fans. That one comes to us from Val from the high desert of Northeast Colorado. Val, thank you for listening to the show. It's 12.57 in Edmonton. This is Oilers Now. Still to come on today's show, we'll hear from Brian Burke for Canadian Power Pack. We'll hear from Jody Shelley. He's the Columbus Blue Jackets television analyst and Kurt Hill, general manager of the Edmonton Oil Kings. This is Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.